0: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
1: E-G-O. Give online therapy a try at betterhelp.com and get on your way to being your best self.
2: Hey, it's Gresh, and when researching any product or service, we want to know what other customers had to say about it. Were they happy? Did they receive the results promised? It's important. Let's say you're searching weight loss programs. I'm sure you'd be satisfied with a company that had a 75 or 80 because, well, it's weight loss. Anything higher than 80% would be a shocker. How about Awaken 180 score 98? Their clients received the results they were looking for easy fast but most importantly sustainable weight loss and we're not talking 10 or 20 people sports radio weei christian arkin megan Uh, Yeah, we're here until six o'clock we'll be joined later this hour by andrew raycroft we'll get the razors take on the bruins who just keep on winning david crechey calling out coaches we got the trade deadline coming up all that stuff. We'll uh, we'll get to all that later on in the hour. In the meantime, we're going to touch on Gerard Mayo here and the uh, interviews that he canceled. What his market's like. Maybe we uh, may have misread that a little bit, but a uh, little bit a little bit of meat in the bone here in this offensive coordinator thing. People are. Oh, I can't believe you're comparing Staley and Bill Belichick. Belichick's won all these championships. You can say that about any other coach in the league. Was you can that? say that between uh, him. I wasn't you. I'm talking about. You know, oh, okay. I was like, things. is that
1: what I, what I sound like to you? That is it sounds very manly. It's
2: what everyone sounds like to me. Uh, but you can do that. You can say that about Bill and every single other coach in the entire NFL. That doesn't mean anything to it's me anymore.
1: It's kind of the point, though. Is
2: it? Yeah. The I don't point think is that, that he set the anymore.
1: standard. Yeah, you, act, you act like you he. You set the
2: standard when you win Super Bowls. Okay, not like when, when you miss the playoffs. Last,
1: you act like he won his last Super Bowl in 2009. No. No. He won his last Super
2: Bowl in 2018? Yeah. It wasn't
1: so long ago. What's
2: happened since then? Uh, Crap. Yeah.
1: Like a lot of crap.
2: That's sort of what I'm getting at here. I mean, you can can sort of coast off of that for a long time, and a lot of coaches have. uh, Have coasted off of Super Bowl championships. Sometimes you don't get to coast that long. Like Doug Peterson, you know? Like sometimes you win a championship and you're out the next year. But with Bill Belichick, yes, of course, He's earned all of the all of the uh, rewards and everything. Fine, but I don't know about just blindly giving him the benefit of the doubt when he screws up over and over again. And just saying, well, thing- he's Bill Belichick.
1: Arkan, I'm not blindly giving it to him. I'm just saying that. Don't isolate that. I'm just saying that. It, it seems <laughs> you had to like say that like four time times. I know. So Jeez. It just I think it says
3: more about what she thinks of me <laughs> than anything that she's actually saying. But please it continue. Just
1: feels like the comparison between someone like Staley. Like Captain, go for it. Who has one of the hottest young quarterbacks in the entire league, sure. and can't figure out how to win a playoff game with him? And like, it, and comparing that to Belichick and saying this is the same situation—it's really not. How
2: disciplined has Belichick's teams been the last couple of years?
1: The last two years, it's been bad.
2: It's been horrific. It's been really bad. If it wasn't Bill Belichick, people would say, this who's coaching this season This year
1: much worse than 2021. I agree. This was, I, I have to feel like this is rock bottom. And, you know, I, I, I'm not going to sit here and defend Belichick's coaching this season because it's really bad. And I came on here week in and week out and said – The middle management is suffering under this. Mm -hmm. He did not do a good job managing the coaches he put in place. It's not just about appointing those coaches, which is the first massive mistake. It's about the week in, week out, failure to adjust in a way that would lead to any kind of success.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. I
1: totally agree with that. However, to sit here and say it's been two really bad years of undisciplined teams— and you made it to the playoffs last year, and it's the greatest coach in NFL history, and you're gonna kick him out of town over that? I, I just can't. That, that I'm just not gonna be on that side of that discussion.
2: He would have kicked himself out. That's mm-hmm. the type of thing that Bill Belichick looks at if it's a player who's who's uh, taking a step back. And that's like that. not
1: always the right choice. Not Look, always. He, he pushed Brady out the door too early. Which he was tried another to push bad decision Gronk of Out his. the door too early to Detroit. Like yeah. I'm not acting like everything he does is the right move. I'm just saying to essentially put him on the hot seat and put him in the same category that people put Brandon Staley is like four steps too far for me. Okay. If we have another season like this one, maybe I'll start to say, you know what? I just feel like he's not the same guy anymore. So
2: Brady pushes Brady out the door um he signs Cam Newton instead of having an actual backup plan like yeah, these, no, these he he are the, the first him. two right like that the, so that was the first. the big one obviously was Brady the next one was not having a backup plan and just thinking well, I could sign I would put anybody those hand in hand and bringing Cam Newton in and then after that I think he started to Read, uh, set the course a little bit, right? You make a, a draft pick. It looks like the offense is starting well, to get back up. Well, even before
1: that, you load up in free agency. And
2: you do that, too, and that all sort of happens at the same time. And then you have a better season, kind of a fraudulent playoff appearance, but whatever, you made it, fine. And then this year, it was his decisions that led to almost everything that went wrong. -hmm. Uh, Really, I mean, it was his decisions that led to everything that went wrong, and it's not your right. Trent
1: Brown had a heavy hand in it, maybe, but who brought Trent Brown back
2: instead of spending money on a real tackle and not just some guy who played here a while ago? Right? Look, I don't disagree. I don't
1: disagree, Arkan. Like we're on the same page. There, it all goes back to Bill. He told us that himself. I agree with that. I've sat here week in, week out, saying that, and especially the damage that you've done. And the frayed relationship behind closed doors with Mac Jones, and it sounds like the offensive coaches.
4: This is Belichick's fault.
1: That, they're, that, people, that the coaches are maybe out there linking, trying to leak information about how it wasn't so bad for Mac here. Uh, Mac's not so tough. You have right. listeners calling in questioning Mac's mental toughness. That's all extremely screwed up. Still not going to sit here and say he should be treated like people want Brandon Staley to be treated. Okay, Like but, he's a laughingstock.
2: But Brandon Staley, nothing's happening to him. Mm-hmm. Like Brandon Staley's keeping his job, I think. But and you're they're saying firing people are, all the offensive people are coordinators. calling for Brandon
1: Staley's head. Why aren't they calling for Belichick's head? And I feel like that's just kind of silly. I'm saying
2: it's assigning the blame mm-hmm. where it should be assigned. The, the blame is not being assigned to You can to assign the
1: blame without saying, I think that you should chop his head off this offseason.
2: So what do you do? How do you how do you make him accountable? I think what
1: they're doing Hire right more of now, his friends, which, which is, is what it do. sounds like upper, quote, upper management coming out and saying publicly in statements, bizarrely unprecedented statements saying, this is what we want. This is what we intend. There's going to be an offensive coordinator. It's not going to be coordinator by committee. It's not just going to be two of your pals joining together and trying to do something they never done before. You're gonna bring in real candidates to interview and hopefully you land O'Brien. And if it's not O'Brien, it's gonna be some young hotshot who brings in his own offensive system and you let him appoint his own assistant coaches and you run. You're this. filling in a lot of things weren't in that press you Okay. Arkin, you're asking me how I would how handle, you would do it. Sure. Yeah, yeah, okay. how I would see it handled as fit for mm-hmm. the response of what happened this year. Um that's how I see it as fit. Not hey, you know what? Get out of here. Go get Shula's record somewhere else. And by the way, it's just not realistic that they're going to do that.
2: I don't think that that's realistically going to happen either, but I do think the Patriots fans and anybody who's really going after Staley and saying, oh, they should have fired Staley and not those other guys. Well, okay, they're reassigning these offensive uh, people here and and not really blaming the person whose fault it really was uh, is, I guess, the point I'm trying to make here. 617-779-7937 is your phone number. Gerard Mayo canceled a job interview with the Carolina Panthers. He did not uh, turn down a job, but he did cancel the interview. He canceled his Cleveland coordinator interview. And uh, as far as we know, is in line to be something here in New England, something more than he was prior to this. Um, I'm starting to wonder, though, Megan, did we maybe misread the Gerard Mayo market? Because I was thinking that there was going to be a lot of teams out there that would want to interview him for head coaching jobs, for coordinator jobs. So far, it's been one for each. And he was sort of cavalier about dismissing both of those interviews. He hasn't been offered a job. Did maybe Patriots fans and, you know, people around here sort of overrate how much the Gerard Mayo would be, uh, there'd be a market for him out out in the NFL?
1: How's he going to be offered a job if he's not going to the interviews? He canceled both the interviews. So I think if you look at the way that the market is right now, some of these teams are still playing. Obviously, the ones that are out are, ma- are the ones that are making coaching changes because yeah. it didn't go the way they wanted to get them into the playoffs. But I would say he got two interview offers within the first week, within really the first four or five days of them being out of the playoffs. And this was a situation where seemingly, uh, once again, quote, upper management of the Patriots wanted to nip this in the bud. Yeah. So they put this statement out there. They meet with him behind closed doors. They're trying to... Give him some kind of sweetheart offer, whatever you think that might be, you know, assistant head coach or whatever, to keep him here and keep him in their long-term plans. So I'm not sure it's a, that the market isn't there for him. I think it's more that the Patriots are trying to be incredibly proactive in keeping him here and not doing a repeat of, oh, my God, Josh McDaniels is on the plane. <laughs> Call him and, you know, give him whatever he wants. Like, I I think that that's kind of where they're at. I don't think it's indicative that he's not a hot commodity.
2: Maybe, and maybe you're right, but... Is this what he wanted? Did Gerard Mayo just want to be the assistant head coach, and that's sort of what he wanted here in New England, and he can cancel everything else because that's what he really wanted all this time? That just seems sort of like a weird thing to want to be, right? Like, you could be a defensive coordinator. You could be a head coach somewhere else. You could at least go in and take the interviews. Now, I understand he bailed on the interviews. If there was a team out there that really wanted him to be the head coach, then they would have already made that clear to his agent. I think that these interviews were probably just, all right, we got some people in mind, but we're going to interview you too. And
1: unfortunately, you have to think about the Rooney rule aspect of it that, you know, because of that, that that shouldn't come into play in terms of, you know, he is completely a great prospect to be a head coach. You know, that side doesn't really matter, but it is the reality of the way that the coaching carousel operates right now. And for Dron Mayo, like, I don't think it's that bizarre. People always talk about if you get a chance to be a head coach. Uh, you have to take the chance cuz you don't know when it's going to come back around right. but for someone like him who i think he knows his worth and he has a lot of self-worth without getting too like woo woo over here um i think he feels like he wants to be in the right situation and do you, are you really li- dying to be in that Panthers job mm. you know like it's a, are you it's a dying to go be a defensive coordinator for the Browns i mean it's not a great franchise over there
5: no i'm not, not even
1: talking about it in terms of football wins i'm talking about The ownership is so it's just a bunch of clowns. And then I also think that once the Patriots, you know, once the crafts kind of, uh, you know, put their flag down, I'm not sure how many other owners want to go against Robert and Jonathan and piss them off by trying to snatch him away when it's when they're planting their flag, saying this is our guy and. By the way, we put well out a any statement. team
2: that's scared of them and won't hire a coach because they're scared of the Crafts, then get out. Then sell your team and get powerful, out of here. Powerful,
1: powerful owner. All right, Feeling well
2: horrible. then. I mean, that's pretty. So- I'm sorry. Like if that if that's what you're worried about, oh, I don't want to upset the crabs who make them the assistant head coach, and we want to make them our head coach. So we're going to back off. Like sell the team then. has
0: everything
1: going. You're talking about this like it's just they're holding on to an assistant head coach. Uh, They put in that statement, and you pointed this out to me the other day, and I've been thinking about it over the weekend, long term, like that speaks volumes to me. Mm. So if they think that this is potentially Bill's successor, that it's a strong chance that this is Bill's successor, I think they're going to try to make it loud and clear, like, you know, hands off our guy.
2: Yeah, and that's one way to get Gerard Mayo to cancel a bunch of interviews, wouldn't it? You know, you'll be the assistant, and then when Bill's done, it's your job, and you'll have it, and we promise you that, right? Which,
1: would be, which will get super interesting if Bill O'Brien is the offensive coordinator who comes here. Yeah,
2: absolutely. A uh, preemptive strike there by the New England Patriots, and so far, it appears to be working. 617-779-7937. There's your phone number. When we come back, we're going to talk a little Bruins. David Krejci with a lot to say after a uh, big Bruins win yesterday. And uh, how about that? Maybe coaching matters in the NHL, too. We'll get to all of that right after Trending.
5: I, li- I like the mentality of this team to stay in the moment, take it game by game. Um, practice has been good. Obviously, the, the the coaching changed helped a lot. Sports Radio W E E I.
2: That was David Krejci. After another Bruins win, this time 6-0 over the Flyers, a game that was not close. Uh, the most entertaining part of it was John Tortorella <laughs> behind the bench, losing his crap. Local guy, by the way, Torts, uh, Carlisle,
3: right? I Car- believe he's a Carlisle guy. Right? Carlisle fella? Carlisle guy.
2: You know, it's funny, even if you're from Carlisle, or if you're from Connecticut, or, you know, anywhere in New England, yeah. they all get a Canadian accent. For some reason, they all, it's, it, they, no matter where you're from, they end up uh, coaching in hockey. They're around these guys all the time, and then they just start talking like that. They, they, well, you know, <laughs> like it just happens. The it only just, time just by, creeps into their uh, vocabulary. The
1: only time that really happens to me is like if I've been uh, drinking. Does this ever happen to you? And you talk to somebody with like a crazy accent.
2: And then you try and mimic it. Especially a British person.
1: It? No, you just find yourself starting to mimic it. That's never happened to you? And um, uh, then it sounds like you're mocking them. And it's awful.
3: (laughs) I mean, it sounds like you are Mark. Yeah, Yeah. I was at summer camp, and one of my buddies was from Dallas, and and he spoke with the twang. And I realized as the more I was hanging out with him, I started to develop this slight little Southern twang as well. So maybe there is something to that. You're just in the hockey world all the time, and you just start to sound like a hockey. You're just like,
4: hey, you know.
1: I don't know. Pasta (laughs) doesn't talk like that.
3: Six goals out there. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Uh, You have to be from this
2: country. Like you have to be from uh, from the North America. From an American uh, part of it, you can't be from like. You know, across the pond, then hey, it's totally up, different. Yeah, sorry. No. Doesn't <laughs> yeah, affect him.
1: He sounds just like the boys.
2: Uh certainly not in the same way. David Pasternak, though, a pair of goals in this game. Pavel Zaka had two goals, including a laser beam. Did you see that one where you falling down on the one timer? It was it was beautiful.
3: I mean, and, um, there's just something about I don't know if it's a flyers thing. I thought Carter Hart was gonna be their goaltender in the future, but I was looking at the splits when he faces the Bruins. It's easily one of the worst teams that Carter Hart has to go up against every single year. It's got like a almost a 4 goal average against uh, the Bruins right now. So I think that was predictable, if anything. But this team just doesn't want to lose, apparently.
2: I know. They really just don't. And uh, Jeremy Swayman, a 29-save shutout as the Bruins get three assists from David Krejci. And that was him who you just heard there in the uh, rejoin talking about, can we play it one more time? Can we just hear this? It's quick. Uh, he's just sort of talking about he things that are going it. right. And what a
3: it was a, a great day for David Krejci too. I mean, they're, they're celebrating. You know, he had a good game. It's 1,000 uh, games in the mm-hmm. NHL, and then he just, just tries to uh, drop this. I, li-
5: I like the mentality of this team to stay in the moment, take it game by game. Um, practice has been good. Obviously, the, the the coaching changed helped a lot.
2: Coaching changed helped a lot.
1: Cause it's the new system they're playing in. Yeah, that's generating it. so much offense. The right? system's
2: very, very that's different. That's what it is. <laughs> it's that's all he deal. means. There was, uh, there it's was not, a little it's not more. Not like
1: Craigie fled the country, no, because he didn't want to play for certainly not. anymore.
2: Why would he do that? Why would he leave? Go to uh, the Czech Republic? Tell all his uh, everybody? Well, you know, I really want my kids to grow up there, and I want them to learn how to speak the language, spend one year, all that stuff, and then all of a sudden they fire Listen, the coach. And it's none not that what matters in one year, Megan. It's true. Must have used the uh, Rosetta Stone or something with those kids there. Uh, Anyway, David Krejci now really, I mean, lighting up Bruce Cassidy. That for him as sort of soft-spoken and kind of, you know, not confident as David Krejci. Has David Krejci ever been in a fight? Has he ever been in an NHL fight? I don't think so. Oh, is man. He maybe got, like once He got ever?
3: smoked. I remember one time, I want to say, oh, I think it was Benoit Poliat just rearranged David Krejci's face. It was not close. This is probably about 10, 11 years ago, too. When uh, Well, I when you get a big brawler like Benny ben, Pouliot. That's what I'm saying. Benoit Poliat <laughs> was also, do? you know, no tough <laughs> potatoes either, and he wiped the ice with David Krejci. So, yeah, I yeah, don't want to see him fighting. Right. Um there was also this
2: David Craigie via Google Translate on a Czech article. Coach Cassidy rarely let the two of us play together. Talking about um Posternak, I believe. Years later, I leave Boston, and suddenly it's possible. That stunned me. Now Pasta is five or so games in line with Hall and Eric Hollis. Strange, isn't it? Um, that comment reflecting bitterness towards Cassidy, the one asked last summer about how much the coaching change impacted his decision to return, he downplayed the matter. So he's basically come along, He's come all the way around on this. At the, at the beginning of the year, oh, no, the coach had nothing to do with it. Now the coaching change was everything. We're so much better now. We're playing better. We're scoring more goals. He's mixing and matching the lines better. He's listening to us he's not just doing it his way he's sort of listening to us these veterans on the team and I'll tell you what that the David Krejci thing in that locker room is real you ask anybody who covers that team they'll tell you they worship him in there they really do he is and it's been like this for a while um they've got leaders on that team they've got old guys on that team it's not like he's the only leader or the only old guy but they love him and they play for him I mean listen the proof's in the pudding isn't it
1: so what's so interesting to me, the further we get away from this and every time that one of these guys mentions something about the coaching and how positive the coaching difference is, is how off the narrative was last year around this time or you know around the time of Cassidy's departure even later after they got uh, eliminated from the playoffs. you know So much of it revolved around Jake DeBrusque and the young guys on the team and Cassidy's message, the way he delivers it. It's getting lost in translation to the younger guys. And it was kind of like, oh, what is this? It's like the NBAification of the locker rooms. <laughs> and I remember people actually talking this way and mm-hmm. saying, you know, and you have such strong leadership on this team from guys who are in their mid to entering late 30s. And now as we get further away, you hear it wasn't just DeBrusque. It wasn't just the young guys who felt like the, that, like, He Cassidy didn't always have the best, uh, I guess, judgment, if not interest, of the players. I'm sure Cassidy felt like he had the best interest of the players, but he wasn't delivering the message in the right way and lost the locker room. And so now, you know, you hear these comments now and you hear it from guys who are true locker room leaders and you're like, did they move too late on Cassidy? I mean, the fact that Krejci left the country... If he felt like this in real time and it's not just revisionist history, him looking back and seeing how good things are now, how happy everyone is now, and so looking back and going, Wow, that was really bad, if in the moment everything was so bad and like how how are you not acting in the moment and listening to your players and listening to older guys in the locker room who are telling you like this guy does not work for us.
2: Yeah. It's weird. It's weird to think about that, especially consider I mean, David Krejci and Jake Debrusque, two of your best players this year. And those are two guys that were basically like, listen, it's him or me. And in Krejci's case, he said, I'm out of here. I'm leaving. And in DeBrusque's place, he said, just trade me. Just get me out of here. Get, trade me anywhere. I'll, I'll go anywhere. I can't play for this guy anymore. You have,
1: you have Patrice Bergeron maybe not returning. Right. And he's never said anything about that. It had anything to do with the coaching change. But he's also never said that it didn't. Right. <laughs> so uh,
2: Krejci said that it didn't. This was Krejci in his introductory press conference. Let's play these back-to-back. Let's see what it sounds like. This is good. Curious if... Uh, the coaching change played any role any factor in in you deciding to come back did that make any difference to you at all uh
5: that would be a good story if i would say yes but <laughs> no, my uh, <laughs> my decision was made uh sure. was made before uh before they they hired uh the new coach so the um, the firing Butchie had nothing to do with my my decision coming back. Practice has been good. Obviously the the nice. coaching changed helped a lot. Yeah, it helped a lot. Butchie had nothing to do with my my decision coming back. The coaching changed helped a lot. Butchie had nothing to do with my my decision coming back. The coaching changed helped a lot. It's
3: been five months, five months, and who knows? Maybe Cranky meant it at the time he said it. Yeah, and then he, like Jake Dubrasco and like a lot of the other guys who have been here long term, are going, oh wow. It is so much more positive around here. We're getting to play the style we want to play. I don't have to worry about my head coach jumping up in front of media and browbeating us, saying he expects better out of us every single night that we don't perform.
1: So that's the other thing that I think is really funny, just reflecting on the narratives with Cassidy in real time. Everybody in this town loved how Cassidy roasted his players in front of the media. Yes. I swear, every time that he did it, I turn on a radio, oh, this would never happen in the NBA. (laughs) Like, oh, look how well that went over. Can I can we revisit that now that perhaps that's not the best tactic to take with professional athletes? Sure. To get up there and be like, well, he doesn't, you know, Jake DeBrass didn't play because (laughs) essentially saying like he doesn't play because he doesn't care. (laughs) I know I'm paraphrasing here, but it's pretty much the kind of crap that he said when he went up in front of the media. Yeah, And after a while, I would think that probably wears on your guys.
2: Maybe it does. I mean, they played well for him at first. And when Cassidy first got here and took over for Julian, a lot of people thought, well, this isn't going to work. How could you get rid of Claude Julian? How could you possibly do that and just bring in some guy from Providence? and I think that the Cassidy experience was pretty good so far. And look, it's good in Vegas so far. They're the best team in the West still, right? Or maybe Dallas is better than them now, but either way, they're right there. So I sort of feel like, you know, you can you can win with Cassidy. That thing can can work, but eventually, yeah, it starts to wear on players to the point where you saw what almost happened here. And now that he's gone, I mean, my god, the team is the team's 34-5 and 4. 34 5 and 5. It's ridiculous. That is a ridiculous record. And everything that uh, happened in the offseason from the firing, the Craichi coming back, and every move that Sweeney made worked perfectly I mean how what else can you say
3: like these results well, speak for themselves Except when they brought in that one kid except for that <laughs> <bunch of> small <laughs> thing this Mitch Miller except for bringing in the that, racist that bully other perfect. than that everything's going really really well right now guys how can we screw this up and get a lot of bad press well there is this one knob that nobody wants any part of
2: bring him in yeah perfect. let's get him in here right now let's sign him to a futures contract you know what I honestly forgot about him for a second there but you're right yeah I could that tell. was uh, <laughs> that was a big big whiff and obviously they shouldn't have done that but in terms of everything that's happened on the ice with this team at the big at the at the NHL level, I mean, it's been it's been the polar opposite of what most people thought coming into the year, and that's whether you thought Montgomery was a bad coach or a good coach or not. Well, uh, I don't think
1: it is. Like, I, I don't think it's separate because, and I know it's not. Apples no to one apples, thought that a new
3: coach was going to turn this team into this. No, I said they were going to be the worst team in their division. Yeah,
1: when you look at, when you look at the Celtics, you know they've similarly had a coach who was a hard ass. And who called them out in their media, in his media appearances, especially the first half of the year. But even in the playoffs was, you know, you had the report that he was asking them if they wanted to play like a-holes. Right. <laughs> like in the middle of the game. No, he coach, also and took them
2: further than they've ever been. So, I mean. Right. You know, you and can't say that about Cassidy.
1: better this year. Yeah. They are even better this year. But you don't hear, and by the way, he is persona non grata in that organization right now. Like you can't even say his name, but his players are not like, wow, it's so much better since Udoka's not here. True. You know?
2: No. In fact, Marcus Smart was saying, I think is getting railroaded. Remember that? I mean, yeah. they they all still, I think, carried kind of a torch for them. Again,
1: I think that just goes to show you how much these guys hated Butchie. Yeah. Oh, my Butchie. Yeah,
2: poor Butchie. Uh, and it also shows that coaching does matter. I know that in in some cases, maybe you think it does ah any team can run that offense, any coach can coach Shaq and Kobe. You know what I mean? Like there's there's plenty of of time any coach could have coached the Big Three and you know gotten a couple of championships out of out of Michael Jordan and all that may be true, but all in that all, that is
1: definitely not true.
2: Not any coach, I don't think. But like when it comes to a, a situation like this one there's not a lot different Who would have here.
1: had the balls to install the triangle with Michael Jordan? I don't know.
2: I don't know. Uh, the Jordan may have installed his own offense maybe, but I think that, you know, you look at the, the main difference here being the coach is different and David Craigie's back. Craigie was on this team years and years with Cassidy and it just wasn't the same. It wasn't working and now with a new coach who's sort of listening more to these guys and uh, deferring to them which is what I think is happening here with Montgomery. I think he's deferring more than Cassidy ever would and that's why those guys got sick of him. Um, the result are what they are and it's kind of frustrating now looking back at it thinking man you know you could have maybe had some years more like this than those than those last few Cassidy years and I know that they were in the cup final in 2019 but, boy you know I mean if you don't see similarities here between what's happening with this team with a new coach and how someone like Mac Jones in the Patriots offense with their new coaches reacted negatively then you're blind I mean it's it's not I don't I think there's a direct line you can draw them from, from one said. to the other uh because it's the opposite obviously but look at uh look at a, a, a roster like this Bruins roster and all the problems that you usually consider with the uh, Bruins at this time of year there's no secondary scoring the goaltending's fine Whatever. And now you see them just a a juggernaut running everyone over. And last year you had a a Patriots offense that, with a good offensive coordinator, was functional and Mm -hmm. took you to a postseason. And without it, was one of the laughing stocks of the league offensively, And that's really what I think the Patriots were this year. Offensively, they were a laughing stock in the NFL. And that tells you that you can have the same players. You can try and run the same offense. If you don't have the right coaches doing it, it can be a major impediment
1: well, absolutely. and i I, I think any sports fan that you ask on the street would tell you that coaching in the NFL is a pretty different beast across the board from your assistants up to your head coach. Sure than any of the other leagues, not to say that it doesn't matter in the other leagues because I'm not of that school, but it's a different beast. I would say I feel like the lesson that I would take away from this, and you can say whatever you want to say about this generation of athletes or the generation right above them or below them or whatever, they do not like having their crap called out in public. Behind closed doors is one thing. They do not like their coaches getting up there and saying, I don't know if, you know, as essentially saying I don't know if he's our starting quarterback. You know, I don't know. We'll see. Everybody is a this or that. Like, well, everybody isn't the same. Mac one has a... the
2: ability to play in the NFL. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, I don't Coach. think
1: that goes over great behind closed doors. And it's the same. To me, it's the same thing across the board. And it's so funny to me that out of all these guys that we're talking about, and I know I'm going a little off track here. It's the NBA team in town who is not sitting there, essentially in one direction or the other, mfing their guy. It's
5: true, coaching changed helped a lot. Yeah,
2: um, you're not you're not hearing much. But look, the like, and you, you
1: can say that you want that. Oh, these these athletes today they're so soft. They well, got to take the coaching. It's the chain of command. Well, if the coaches aren't qualified. And they're trying to call you out on something? Does
3: Patrice Bergeron fall into the category of, oh, players these days? Like, there was a part of me. And, look, I was one of those people. I, I raised both hands when you're like, oh, people loved when Bruce Cassidy was calling out his guys. Yeah, I was one of them. But I can also understand if you're Patrice Bergeron, if you're Brad Martian, like, I'm a future Hall of Famer. And, look, I understand. We have a lapse, whatever. But the third time, the fourth time, the fifth time on national TV we're in the playoffs and you're going to call us out. You're going to make us look bad. That, I can absolutely understand how it wears its track. Mac Jones, different situation. I'm not going to say, oh, he's not earned the right to do anything because he's in his second year, but you have to understand the caliber of player that you're dealing with and a guy like Patrice Bergeron and a guy like Brad Marchand and a guy like David Krejci. David Krejci is... Thirty-seven years old, like I That's mean, what you know I mean. What I, like
1: he's I not. Mean, he's yeah, a grown man, right? You, with you, you children. Can, they yeah. showed, like he has a family because he played.
3: He played in his thousandth game, and they showed him mm-hmm. when he got drafted. I think he had frosted highlights. I'm like, oh, remember <laughs> the tips? early two thousands when every guy looked like that? That was just the style. You know, a little frost. I bet. I bet if I looked right now, I could find a picture of Andrew Raycroft that has highlights in his hairs.
2: Oh man, I hope so. Six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven is the phone number. Uh, Razor will join us right after this. Sports Radio, WEEI, Christian Arkin, Megan Ottolini, and joining us right now on the Harbor One Hotline, brought to you by Shaw's and Star Market, bringing people together around the joys of food, John Sewer and Drain Cleaning, the name to know when your drains don't flow, and by Frank's Red Hot. Visit franksredhot.com for great hockey and football-watching recipes. Let's frank it up. It's uh, Razor, Andrew Raycroft, joining us right now again on the Harbor One Hotline. Razor, how you doing, my friend?
4: I'm wonderful. How's everyone making out?
2: Uh, making out just fine, just like the uh, Bruins are making out just fine with another big, big win. And uh, the only thing bigger than that, I'd say, would be the comments that we heard from David Krejci about the coaching change. What uh, What do you think when you first heard that, Razor? It uh, opened a lot of eyes.
4: It did. Um, I, you know, I, I kind of chuckled, and I, I'm not sure. Again, I'm not. David's been here a long time, but I'm also not sure if he was doing that on purpose or if it was something that he kind of forgot that he didn't mention, but he wanted to mention it, but didn't want to make it a big deal, but wanted to make sure it was mentioned. Uh, I I can't imagine David Krejci being the one that wanted to come out publicly to stir a big controversy, but he is also a guy who likes to be pretty honest in his feelings and, and where he's at. And I, I felt like he wanted to get that out because he won't talk to the media the rest of the year. So get that out and, and, and let everyone know he wasn't quite happy, and and uh, with, or I should say, happy with the decision that's been made and happy where the coach's staff is at right now.
1: So I saw it on uh, Saturday night on a broadcast that Elliot Friedman said that there's word around the league that the Bruins have been making some progress with not concerning his contract. Is this going to get done anytime soon? When we hear these phrases like making some progress, is that Does that give you any indication that there's going to be an immediate announcement?
4: No, not immediate, I, I think. And, and Elliot's as piped in as anyone in the league. So, so Elliot talks to the right people. And, and when he says that, he means that they are discussing. I thought Don's answer the other day when asked about it, uh, I believe when he was talking about the Pavel Zaka signing, was a straight no, and that should be positive for everybody who wants David Pasternak to be a Boston Bruin because there was no color to it, there was no discussing it, it was just a no, which means they're talking. Uh, He doesn't want to spill the beans on anything, doesn't want to say anything that could jeopardize whatever progress they've made. But to say that I expect something to come down the pipe in the next couple days uh, would probably be a little bit uh, over my skis. Do you like the Zaka signing? Love it. Love it. I, I think what he's done in this short time as a Boston Bruin, half a season, to be able to play all three forward positions when he was and has been called on to do play center, he's done it very effectively. He's figured things out, and, and we saw that goal Monday afternoon. He's a world-class talent. I think he can score more goals. He's, been, he's missed a lot of nets. Uh, I'm not sure if that's just the way it's gone for him or if that's a pattern, but that's one thing to watch for. But he's had a ton of chances, and and he's career high in assists now already this season. So I, I really like the signing. It's for short money, and he's going to be a big piece of this going forward the next couple years.
2: We're talking with Andrew Raycroft here on the Harbor One Hotline. Uh, Razor, Sweeney talked about the trade deadline a little bit and sort of indicated that he's happy with what's in Providence, and I think there's just sort of a general sense of why mess with anything on the uh, the NHL club at this point. Do you sort of agree with that, or do you think they can make some subtle tweaks?
4: No, they're going to make subtle tweaks. Uh, It's going to be... It's going to be an arms race in the East. Every the team, Carolina is going to try and get better. Tampa Bay is going to try and get better. The Toronto Maple Leafs have to try and get better. Uh, there's there's no way their market doesn't allow them. And the Bruins are going to have to keep their finger on that pulse. And but I'm I'm a big at this point and, and where this team's at and where the team's set up in the future. I know there's been talk about this group and and how you know once Bergeron's gone, what do they get? But I I'm not concerned about that. I, I think the Zaka signing, Taylor Hall, Hampus Lindholm, Charlie McAvoy, these guys are here for, you know, a, quite a bit of time in going ahead in the future. I'm trading every first round pick. I'm trading every prospect that I have to get better at the NHL level this season with this group that's playing for the Boston Bruins. Now, I don't have the answers on the mix. I don't have the answers on getting rid of a player that's on the roster right now, that would be nerve wracking. And that's what Don's not losing or is losing sleep over the next couple months. But when it comes to prospects and first round picks, those are all on the table. If, if I'm getting an NHL player that can help win a Stanley cup.
1: So what kind of player would be on your wish list then to, when you're looking at the depth that this team's going to need making a Stanley cup playoff run, uh, is it another defenseman, another winger? What, what is kind of the list of priorities there?
4: You can never have enough D. If you're planning on playing upwards of 28 Stanley Cup playoff games, you need more D than, than the 6 and slash 7. Uh, they've been very fortunate on the back end to have no injuries and, and have had the 6 playing as well as they have the last two months. Uh, but but you need more there. So big, strong defenseman. You can grab a couple of those guys that have played in the playoffs before, and then you need depth up front as well. I think we've seen that they can they can handle one injury with this Jake DeBrusque injury. But if someone else goes down, then it gets dicey. So I'm looking for depth pieces. I don't think you need a home a swing and a home run, but. At the same time, the salary cap goes down, you might be able to add a, a good rental at this. I know they're not rental organization, but this might be the year that, that they look that way for a veteran guy. But you certainly need some more, some more versatility, I would say, up front. A, a guy who can take some face-offs, a guy who can play both wings, one wing, to add to depth up front when inevitable injuries come.
2: Razor, uh, first shutout of the year for Swayman last night. He's 10-3-3, I believe. uh, 29-shot shutout for him. This has been kind of a weird year for him, obviously, with the injury and with Hallmark playing so well. How do you think he's handling it all?
4: I'm impressed. I'm impressed. It it didn't start the way he wanted it to, um, but he is showing his ability to be a pro and and work at his game on a daily basis and stay within – not looking too far ahead, not worried about his starts, not worried about playing behind arguably the best goalie in the league so far this season. And he's just kind of stuck with his game. And so it, it's been impressive. It's, it's easy for a young guy who's really trying to establish himself in the league to, to lose confidence and start to worry about the outside and his contract. And will he be the guy here? But he hasn't let that get to him. much. So I've been impressed with his, Mental capabilities here and and his game's in a good spot, like you said, his record's really good everybody's record's really good for the Bruins, but he's gotten points in his last eleven ten of eleven games, so he, he, it's a good duo and again, just like the forwards you're, you're probably if you're going to play twenty eight playoff games you're going to probably need both of these guys in that so they they it's important for Jeremy to play well for the team and for himself and and he's done that and and bounced back really well
2: all right before we let you go here razor just one more on montgomery um the the coaching change which people have talked about now and great talked about yesterday is it what montgomery's doing or the fact that he's not cassidy what 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 weighs more (laughs) i guess because it seems like not being cassidy is a really a really big check in the uh a really big feather in his cap you know what i mean
4: it is (laughs) Uh, and again that's because bruce Cassidy was here for six years and so the all-star coaches, just real quick, all-star coaches are Bruce Cassidy, Pete DeBoer, Rod Brindamore, and Jim Montgomery. Jim Montgomery, last coached in Dallas, where Pete DeBoer now coaches. Pete DeBoer, last coached in Las Vegas, where Bruce Cassidy is. Right. And Bruce Cassidy, last coached in Boston, where Jim Montgomery is. So if you have a good good team, good organization, that the voice goes away from the coach, and you need something new. So... There is a big check for sure that it's not Bruce Cassidy. I think what Jim Montgomery brings is offensively, he thinks much different than Bruce Cassidy. And I think he's allowed, he's been able to get the best out of his players with that, especially the defensemen. The weak side D is getting so many more opportunities offensively. And a lot of that is coaching, allowing them to take more opportunities, to take more chances. So, There is a big check that he's not Bruce Cassidy, but I also think Jim Montgomery's pressing the right buttons and communicating very well with all the players.
2: All right, and we'll leave it right there. Andrew Raycroft, uh, great stuff as always. Thanks so much.
4: You got it, gang. Thank you.
2: Have a good night. That's the Razor Nesson joining us here on uh, Arcand and Mego 617-779-7937. There is your phone number. Quick break. When we come back, we'll keep with the winner teams who are incredibly difficult to uh, uh, critique right now bruins celtics hard to really say too much negative about them um or really anything other than how great they are celtics with another win over the hornets we'll get to them and uh, jason tatum's big night right after this
0: we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof